Good morning and welcome to Seeking Wellness, Our Bodies Explained on WPKN 89.5 FM. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Pierre, your neighborhood naturopathic doctor and public health advocate, bringing you the best of what integrative medicine has to offer. We broadcast from Bridgeport, Connecticut on the fourth Saturday of every month from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Here on Seeking Wellness, we discuss various health topics while clarifying some misconceptions about naturopathic medicine and providing education from a clinical and holistic perspective. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. If you're new to the party, come on in, take off your shoes, and get comfortable. If you've missed any of our past shows, please log on to our website, wpkn.org, to explore our archives and podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited for my guest, Dr. Cheryl Barnes is joining us today, and I am delighted that she is here. Dr. Cheryl Barnes is an incredible human being, an incredible spirit. I'm so excited for what she's going to be sharing on the show today as we talk about our topic, spirituality and health. I am beyond delighted to talk about this topic today because there is that close connection between spirituality and health. And it is a topic we haven't explored on the show. We've explored so many different ideas around health. And being that I am a body, mind, and spirit doctor, I felt that it was important to talk about this today. So I will um, go into her bio and I will welcome Dr. Barnes. Dr. Shoa Barnes, BA, MA, PhD, double PhD, <laughs> D-Min, founded and serves as president and CEO of Sterling Xavier Consulting Group and the Strategic Success Life Coaching Institute. She is an award-winning author of two books, 10 Gifts to Give to Yourself, The Journey Back to You, and Disciple in the Age of Distraction and a speaker, minister, and master life coach in private practice. Her signature programs include Royal Refresher Retreats held at the mansion at Noble Lane in the Poconos, Surrender Restorative Yoga Group and Private Instruction, Temperament-Based Leadership Development, and Professional Certification of Life Coaches via the Accelerated Certification Program. Dr. Cheryl holds certifications in holy yoga, strategic success, life coaching, applied strategic planning, the fifth discipline, systems thinking, MBTI, which is the Myers-Briggs type indicator, true colors, prepare enrich, and six sigma. She's also an ordained Christian minister. Dr. Barnes has five, five earned academic degrees, a BA in psychology, an MA in education, a PhD in education, a PhD in philosophy, and a D-min in theology. She has taught educational psychology, philosophy, ethics, bioethics, and theology at the college level. And she is an esteemed member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Please help me welcome Dr. Cheryl Barnes. Hi, Dr. Cheryl. Good morning, Dr. Pierre. How are you this morning? I am doing pretty great, pretty great. I am so excited, like I said, to have you here. 
Um, the listeners don't know that I've known you for a while now, and you've just been a beautiful source of spirit and comfort to me and my family. And um, I am so excited to have you on the show to talk about this important topic. Well, I appreciate the invitation and I am equally excited. So thank you so much for allowing me this privilege. Of course, of course. So as we jump right into it, I want you, I, I, you know, I read your bio and it, you know, it, it, it gives the audience an idea, but I want you to tell the audience what you do and why you do it and share a little bit about your passions before we go into this topic. Okay, thank you. Well, as you already mentioned, you know, from my bio, I'm a soul wellness life coach. Um, I do training and development. Um, I have a faith-based life certification institute, minister, author, and a holy yoga practitioner. But I love the question even more that you that you will um, um, raise as to why I do what I do. Um, I think of all those things that you, you know, read on from my bio as being holographic. So that everything that I do, wherever it shows up, whatever area of my practice, all of my work is transformational in its essence. Uh, bottom line is, I really, really love people. I, I know that sounds, it probably sounds a little corny, um, <laughs> but when I meet people, I, I just almost can see the beauty in them. Mm. They often don't see in themselves. So it just comes from a passion of wanting to help people live their best life. Mm, and I love that. I love this idea that you see the beauty in people that they may not see in themselves. One of my favorite quotes from you um, is my greatest joy is helping others connect with the gifts inside of their hearts in order to make lifestyle decisions to honor those gifts. Yes. So that, that just makes me happy. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I see them as like gift boxes that sometimes have not been opened in such a long time. It's just, you know how you have dust or cobwebs or you've thrown something on top of something and you've forgotten what was in the gift. And so yes. for our treasure boxes, uh, they need to consider that their own work to take the lid off and in spite of what someone else said, well-meaning family, parents, culture, society, mm -hmm. um, to get in touch with what's on the inside. And because that's where their fulfillment is ultimately going to come from. Mm. Wow. I can't wait to get into the crux of that later on in this conversation, because I think that is a message that people really need to hear. And there are so many people with dreams, desires, and goals that are left unfulfilled. And believe it or not, it does affect their health. Um, when I'm working with patients, it is not uncommon that I ask, you know, a patient, what else is going on in their, their life? And many times mental health issues may emerge, but also along with that is, you know, whether they have a spiritual grounding, whether they have a spiritual practice, um, sometimes even, you know, they share about goals and dreams unfulfilled that they may have wanted to pursue, but felt somewhere along the line, someone told them that they couldn't or they can't 
or they're not <laughs> and, and all these kinds of thoughts. So that's actually something I'm very passionate about as well, which is another reason why I wanted you on the show, because I think in this world um, that's often riddled with so much negativity, um, I like to be, and I know you are a source of light, uh, inspiration, positivity to kind of counteract the negativity that unfortunately we're surrounded by so many times. So my first question for you that is going to kind of um, be our overarching support for this conversation is what is spirituality and what does it mean to you? Now, as you ponder that, I want to um, just share some definitions of spirituality that I've found in research, because interestingly enough, there is some research around spirituality and healthcare. And I thought it was really interesting to kind of see how different sources quantify spirituality, because it's very difficult, as you know, to quantify something that is spiritual, that is essence, that is beyond our understanding. Um, so I'm going to share those, and then I'd like you to share yours after I'm done. Okay. According to Joseph et al., and this is from a study in 2017, Spirituality should be understood as a more general, unstructured, personalized, and naturally occurring phenomenon where a person seeks closeness and or connectedness between him or herself and a higher power or purpose. Other authors define spirituality in terms of a search for universal truth and as an activity enabling people to discover meaning and significance in the surrounding world. And that's by Woods and Ironson. Spirituality can also be perceived as a dynamic reality, constantly exploring something new. It may also involve the learning of the ultimate boundaries of existence and seeking a broader meaning of life. Hart defines spiritu spirituality as a way in which an individual experiences his or her faith in everyday life and style, in which the individual refers to the final conditions of individual existence. And studies do demonstrate that there is a positive impact of spirituality on physical health and mental health, as well as on other positive health outcomes, such as subjective well-being, health-related quality of life, coping skills, recovering from mental illness, or less addictive or suicidal behaviors. So that is what is out there in the literature and research. Dr. Cheryl, please expound upon these thoughts and share with the audience what you believe spirituality to be. Well, I appreciate you, you sharing that because it is always interesting to know um, sort of the context, what kinds of things and ideas and maybe even research uh, inform our understanding of things. Um, that's probably generally good, but it is also the source of our frustration and our, <laughs> yes. and our anxiety. So I love it that you started there because I'm going to make a, a sharp turn, <laughs> just keeping that in mind and, and, and go to what I believe spirituality is and, and what it means to me. I believe that spirituality is a, is a basic understanding that spirit is the essence of what people are. And by that, I, I believe that every human being on the planet and maybe beyond, but we'll, we'll stick to planet Earth for today. Just is, for today. Uh, <laughs> only for today. 
uh, I believe every person is um, the imago day that they are made in the image of God. So it doesn't matter if their faith system is different than mine. For me, that that is where I'm centered. So I believe that every human being is a divine, beautiful uh, expression of a loving uh, God. And so because I believe spirituality is the basic understanding of divine worth, divine uh, potentiality, that you are beautiful because God made you, whether or not your parents wanted you, whether or not you were planned, whether or not um, you, you know all of the whys and hows and whatever's of your, of your own personal history, you have value because God made you. So from that, I believe that we actually are spirit, that we have a soul and that the soul includes our mind, our emotions, our willpower and our imagination, and that all of that is residing in our body. So I believe in three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Hmm. Wow, that's beautiful. Um, and in that understanding of that, um, I know that, wow, I'm just still processing that. <laughs> um, I am because it just takes me to another place as I, you know, think about that. Because, you know, even as I mentioned before, um, mind, body, spirit, and just this idea that spirit, um, you know, and we've had this conversation before, um, when we talk about this concept of spirit being primary, because many times in our society, it's not primary. And even in healthcare, it's something that no one really wants to talk about. Um, but it's something that, and probably because it's harder, like I said before, to quantify, but this idea that you know, spirit comes first and other things stem out of that. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yes. And actually, I'd like to actually pick up on the, the line about it's hard to quantify. Uh, and, you know, you bring me back in. If I started <laughs> wander off, you know, on my deep I'll bring passion, you back in. <laughs> my deep passion for all things philosophical. But philosophically, why would anyone even say it's hard to quantify? Why is mm. that even, why is quantified even in that sentence? Mm. And that in and of itself <laughs> is such a crazy, probably Western it is. Uh, philosophical approach to any, anything. You know, a, a quantification is important. Clearly, <laughs> having done three doctors, I, I know research and I've had to quantify and, and qualify. Yes. Um, however, there is certain kinds of research where you cannot quantify it. <clears throat> And so in, in uh, qualitative work, you look at measurements, you still collect data, but you're not counting things. You are recording and observing things. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, you can triangulate data. You can say, this is what I saw the children do. And you, you take notes. And then you may ask them to fill out some kind of evaluation. What was that experience like? So without going too far there, I think maybe we should start with how do we qualify that which is spiritual? So, so it moves it from trying to measure it and say, mm -hmm, and trying to weigh it and, try <laughs> and trying to assign it numbers um, when it really is, if I meet you and I don't know you and you don't even look like me, let, let's go there. 
and you sense when I hold the door for you or when I smile at your child or you're dropping a package and I help you and I say thank you or good morning and I never see you again, you can feel the energy of that. Hmm. And to me, that is not quantification. That is a qualitative experience. Or I look like you. You're a doctor, I'm a doctor, and I come into the room and I'm so arrogant. You're trying to figure out how my big head got in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm insisting on a particular kind of water and makeup or whatever, you know. And so, and so now it's not that we perhaps share the same uh, culture or, you know, gender or educational, whatever. You get that I think I'm cute and it's a weird, maybe ugly or off-putting something or other qualitatively you feel that mm -hmm. that's why when I say you know I, I I love people because I can you can feel the energy when 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 you connect on that level definitely that, was, that, that goes beyond so many other things that we in fact quantify wow and and this isn't foreign like you said <laughs> you've done plenty of research in your lifetime I've done research as well in sociology and public health and like you said, there is that difference between the qualitative and the quantitative. And um, most times when we're observing and talking to people, that's the time that we can get into this, you know, the, this kind of realm that um, I feel personally is often ignored. Um, in healthcare in particular, um, what I find interesting is that um, in medical school, in, in many medical schools, very, you know, many years ago, I'd say in like the 90s and, and beyond, um, there were a, there was a time period where only three medical schools were teaching spirituality. And over the years, it has expanded to, you know, much larger numbers than that. And because if you're dealing with a patient, I'll, I'll speak more specifically in my realm, and again, why this topic is important to me, um, very often this topic comes up. And one thing that I've noticed sometimes can even be conflicts in what someone believes about their spirituality, their practice, their religion, and what a doctor can recommend for them. Like you mentioned, when a doctor comes in the room, sometimes there's an imbalance, you know, uh, perceived imbalance uh, because of degrees or education. And oftentimes, if that spirituality piece is ignored, the patient can already be in a place where they're less receptive to, um, you know, what the doctor may be saying to them. Um, in your work, particularly in your work with chaplaincy and, um, you know, all of that, I I'd like you to talk a little bit about that relationship with, you know, the care that a person receives and how that interacts with their spirituality. And then, you know, obviously, you know, in the, the process of death and dying, I'd like you to talk a little bit about that as well. If you can just share a little bit about your work. Yes. And, and I'm, I'm fascinated um, by the word chaplaincy. I have served years ago in my sorority as chaplain, but um, I, that's not a, a term that is ascribed to me very often. And yet I, I, think, it, I think it is authentic um, because ministry is not something that I do. Ministry is something that I am. 
Yes. So now we're going back to spirit, right? These, so these are not things you say, wow, you sure are busy. You do a lot. And I'm like, I, I, I don't see what they see. <laughs> it's just me loving on folk and seeing the essence of them. But with regards to chaplaincy um, and how spirituality informs the people that I work with, whether it's formally, you know, connected to my church or informally, I'm just connected to people or clients as I am coaching them to reach some life goal that they have. The role of the chaplaincy is holding space um, from a place of before they even engage me, I already honor who they are because that, that's what I believe. And so before I meet you, before I engage you in whatever capacity, I'm bringing to the table an awareness of your inherent value. And so maybe they feel that or sense that. If they don't feel it, they'll hear it eventually through my, my language uh, of honoring who they are. So what they feel and what they are experiencing are the idea of holding space and me not telling them what mm -hmm. they feel, me not telling them, you know, well, you just need to have more faith. All the crazy things people say when other folk are, are hurting. So mm -hmm. a lot of the chaplaincy mm -hmm. for me is honoring the person enough to engage in one of my first, I'll call it uh, levels of ministry, which is the ministry of presence and listening. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we need to do more listening. Oh my goodness. If they could just let another person, if we could let other people finish the sentence. <laughs> Before we say that reminds me of the time when my cousin died. Yeah, but this is not about you. This is not about you. And this is different because it's me. And so I think my work is effective in more and more holding space mm. and letting the space be completely filled with what the person is saying and feeling and wanting to share. What a gift that they can trust me enough in that moment to share what's on their heart without having to worry about a quick whatever <laughs> mantra comeback because I'm not listening. I'm just waiting for an opportunity to, to tell them something. Mm. So that's what chaplaincy. I sit with you in, in whatever you're experiencing. As a matter of fact, the word compassion mm. Passion is suffering. We often use, and I do too, to mean what I love, what I love. And it is that. But if you think of it as a coin, on one side is what I love. On the other side is what breaks my heart because it draws me to what I want to solve. I'm a teacher because it broke my, in higher ed I was for many years, a teacher because bad teaching broke my heart. Mm. <laughs> is arrogant, know-it-all, you don't care if I'm learning or not. You just want to you know, sell your new textbook. So compassion, I am with you in your suffering. Hmm. To me, that's the essence of chaplaincy. It's the essence actually of coaching. A lot of my clients are not in that kind of pain that may come from, you know, grief or loss that way. But if they're ready, they know something's not right in their life and they're wanting more. And their best friend and their mom and their great aunt who they love is saying, well, that's a good job. You shouldn't leave. <laughs> and they're about to lose their mind. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. 
Yes, which and I, I mean, sit with them in their desire <laughs> for wanting more. I'm sorry, go right ahead. No, 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 no. I was just saying, which is which is a big, you know, that actually uh, there's so many thoughts I have <laughs> around this, but I wanna I wanna finish with this concept of um, death and dying. And, um, and I know you said, you know, you don't see yourself in the context of chaplaincy as much anymore, but I see you in that. I've seen you in that. Um, I've seen you support people through that process. And I'd like you to share, um, because this, this could go deep and you know, our conversations because <laughs> Dr. Cheryl and I have really deep, um, powerful conversations. Um, but I'd like you to just share how you think spirituality help someone during, you know, coping with death. And, and I, I'll be very transparent in saying that I've had to deal with that many times last year and also this year, um, as recently as last week. And I'd like you to share, you know, what you believe about spiritual practices, even religion. Um, I will preface it by saying this show is not promoting any particular type of religion, but Dr. Cheryl and I are both Christians, um, and that is the place that we come from. Um, but I feel that these ideas can be helpful to anyone, even if they don't believe in a particular religion, even if they're atheists, um, because I believe personally that spiritual grounding can be very helpful. So Dr. Cheryl, please share um, you know, how you've seen that be helpful in, in just grieving, um, the grieving process. Yes. I, and, and thank you. And I do think it is, it is, it's always been relevant, particularly, um, during COVID where I opened Facebook and found out that a good friend of mine just lost his dad. So it is all around me. It is everywhere, whether I want it to be or not. And I'm often, uh, given the honor, and again, to me, it's an honor uh, when someone reaches out and they're hurting, that they would trust me into that space that they're in. So for me, um, and spirituality is relevant as a coping uh, method. I, I don't really like the word method. I'm, I'm struggling to find uh, the words, but in mm -hmm. the process mm -hmm. of you losing, having lost someone or losing people with sometimes very little warning. Yes. I come from the place of if you believe that we are spirit in essence. And for me, that's kind of a, I don't have all the words for the energy that has come into the world and manifested in this beautiful human being. And by beautiful, I'm not talking about they got everything right morally. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about they came in as this beautiful expression of God, flawed or whatever. But if you believe that you are spirit in essence, then depending upon your faith system, and in this case, I can only speak to what mine is, even though I respect other people's, in my faith system, death is viewed as another transition in the flow of life. It is actually promotion. You go from glory to glory. So I see death as just, um, I'm, I'm done with my work here. And I'm going on to something better. I believe eternity for me begins before I die, because that's a part of, of my particular faith tradition in Christianity. Uh, when you accept Christ, that is when you enter into eternity uh, as far as a relationship with him. So as I'm asked to minister to people uh, 
it's, it turns out many of whom share the same faith tradition as me. And if they didn't, I would sit with them. I would do that compassion thing and hold space. But because uh, the people that I do engage with share that same faith tradition, but still may <clears throat> be in uh, exceptional pain and frustration, mm -hmm. then I go to what the promises are, what the tenets of our faith are, and remind them that our lives um, have fruit, have seed, let me put it like that, have seed in them. And so although the person is gone, there is, there is legacy in the crops and the harvest that continue to come from their life. And often our responsibility is to honor that, feel what we feel because we're missing their physical presence. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, contextualize that in what a gift and what an honor it was for us to have ever even known them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So over time, you can very gradually, very lovingly shift the paradigm of, oh, God, thank you for let me, letting me have known them. Thank you that they were, you know, a, a relative or coworker or a neighbor or a friend helped me to extend the light that I got from them in some other way. So I will plant a tree. I will give a scholarship. I will help a college student. I can't perhaps give them $100,000, but I can cash app them 100. Listen, I do that and not one student has ever turned me down. And said, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they have not. <laughs> How can I honor that life in some other way that would help me through the grieving process? So mm -hmm. I see death as a natural progression. Thank you for sharing that. You are listening to Seeking Wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Pierre, and I have my guest today, Dr. Cheryl Barnes, and she is just sharing her gifts of knowledge, of um, life experience um, and love on the show today. We are talking about spirituality and health, spirituality and healthcare. Um, we just finished talking about how spirituality comes into play in the death process, the grieving process. And now I'm going to ask Dr. Cheryl to segue into some of the self-care strategies that she is known for imparting on people. Dr. Cheryl is incredible. And, you know, she mentioned before that people are like, how do you do all these things? But she really does do so many things. She has her hands in so many pots and it is the pot of healing. She's just a light of healing, a vessel of healing. And, you know, that is her purpose here. Um, so we're going to jump into some of those self-care strategies. So Dr. Cheryl, um, you are a practitioner of holy yoga and you provide what's called surrender restorative yoga at your retreat. So I want to talk about some of these self-care strategies, because as we're talking about this process of spirituality, and as you mentioned, many times it can be coping strategies throughout life. I want you to share some of these gifts that you share with your clients, with people you're around, with your loved ones. And so the audience can get an idea of what they can do to interject some of these practices into their lives. So what is holy yoga and the restorative yoga that you, you practice? 
I um, <clears throat> was always intrigued by yoga and, you know, practiced it, took classes off and on much younger, you know, and much younger age. And it never went away. It, I always kind of had a crush on yoga. Um, and so last year, uh, a few years back, I had come across and I don't remember where, but the holy yoga, um, it's international. I come across them and looked into maybe pursuing certification through them. And it wasn't the right time. Uh, and then last, at the end of last year, I decided to give that to myself as a gift. Uh, so the timing was right and everything came together. So pursue that. Holy yoga is a philosophy of yoking uh, meditation with breathing, with movement. And yoga means yoke. And so in holy yoga, uh, you are bringing in your Christian faith or Christian principles. So I like the fact that it is, for me, first and foremost, breathing and meditation. Mm -hmm. And then the flow, the physical, the asanas. Um, because I'm active in some things, you know how you'll see advertisements and social media, and they have these absolutely gorgeous, <laughs> petite, slender women doing these amazing things. And I am not mad at them and I'm not jealous. <laughs> All I want to say is that you get this performance vibe. Yeah, yeah. I've had people who found out that I was certified say, oh, I can't wait until I can learn how to. I'm like, well, why, why don't we start with learning how to breathe and learning how to meditate mm -hmm. and then let the movements then match your breathing? So surrender restorative yoga. I named my practice surrender because that's an effective way to more deeply reconnect with the beauty of who we are. We're always pulled toward performance and mm. my life keeps getting better as, as I surrender to just who I am mm. and what God has given me. And I think as I'm saying this, I'm, I'm thinking about how we were talking about people asking me, how do you do all those things? Listen to the word do. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm not clear on what they're saying. I don't interpret it because of the word do. They never say, how do you be all those things? <laughs> if they did that, then it would make sense. It would be a different question. As, yeah, I'm not doing as much as I'm being. being. Mm. And so surrender, I named it that because surrender is saying, wow, this is who I am. This is who I be right now. This weight, this age, this amount of flexibility and this agility. time <laughs> or lack thereof. I have yeah. this much time. I surrender to the reality that I'm still here. Mm -hmm. And restorative is actually a recognized type of yoga. Yes. That, yes. Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. gentle and it's so loving and just you can stay in one uh, position for an hour. Or I, I love it because it's super chill <laughs> and it fits with who I am. And it's not it's not um, an aggressive, assertive, real fast moving type of yoga. It's really having you slow it down so the healing can occur so you can honor your whole self. I've had people weep. When I said apologize, mm. whatever part of your body that you've not loved and don't wow. 
and their hand is on their heart and their other hand is on their stomach. We're just doing breathing and it's just get in touch with and they'll weep because they've always made fun of whatever their hips, their legs. And it's like, but it's serving you. It has always served you. Let's surrender to the fact that you are here and you are the Imago day. And fuck all those other folks who are making money <laughs> off of trying to get you to have whatever, thinner hips or whatever. Surrender and then we'll move into now. Let's restore your health by learning how to breathe and bring that stress and anxiety down as we push back against all of those crazy paradigms of what it means to even be. You know, what's so interesting about what you said and just, you know, what you're talking about is just being so loving to your body. And I was introduced uh, to yoga when I was 16 years old. And um, it was something I automatically took to. And I felt the spirituality in it. And, and as I've navigated my own spiritual practice of, you know, meditation and yoga and um, you know, my relationship with God, what I've found is that a lot of it is interconnected. And yet sometimes people who aren't quote unquote religious feel uncomfortable with yoga forms of yoga that are more spiritual. And then people who are very religious sometimes feel uncomfortable because they think yoga can be calling in things. So this combination of holy yoga is just so perfect in so many ways because it dispels sometimes the contradictions that people create around it. I, I never had any issues around that. I, um, was a practitioner for so many years of Kundalini yoga, also a yoga instructor of Kundalini yoga and conscious pregnancy yoga. And I just found it to be exactly what you said. Not only was it strengthening for me, but it was very much focused in spirit. Um, and I've, over the years, I've tried so many different forms, never tried holy yoga. So that's going to be on my list now. Um, but I found that yoga and meditation got me closer in my relationship with the Lord. Um, so I think it's very interesting how you talk about this because people have so many conflicts around this. And I really fight <laughs> against that because I just feel like everyone can benefit um, to have more spiritual grounding that again, that's my personal belief. Um, I would love for you to share um an easy way to start a meditation practice. You and I are both very passionate about meditation. Um, and I, you know, really have found so much benefit from meditation in my life, starting with breathing, just teaching. I have literally spent time in practice with a patient, teaching them how to breathe. And what that does, when you see that on a person's face, what that does for them is just astounding because as a baby, we, we know how to breathe. And somehow in this life process, we forget. Could yes. you share like how someone can ease? People are so intimidated by meditation. And I just say, start with the breath. Could you share what you normally teach people so they can leave this conversation and have a skill that they can incorporate into their lives? Yes. Um, I often just begin with something very basic. And for some, it is talking about the word meditation. You know, it's just so easy to look up words and I'll tell them 
uh, and I'm a, I'm a little rusty at this moment, but I believe it, it comes from uh, metatas. I think it means to chew twice. Uh, as a stom- uh, a cow has uh, more than one stomach and they'll mm-hmm. eat grass and then it goes into one stomach, it comes back up, they chew it, it's called chewing the cud. And the reason why I mentioned that is that's a good, um, I think, analogy, and it may actually be more than an analogy, but uh, a meditation is going over and over something. And so for my Christian friends who raise an eyebrow, I remind them in, in the Bible, about Joshua meditated on the word day and night, then they leave me alone. But (laughs) (laughs) yes, I've had that conversation. Oh my goodness. You got to hit them with scripture. You got to hit them with your research and mostly hit them with love. So we're we're really not hitting the wrong word, but I'll tell people who want to start a meditation practice, because as you mentioned, they don't know how to breathe. Their shoulders are up. All that tension is all in the neck. And it's just from hunched over and driving and cell phones. So I'll say, if you want to meditate, let's start with you lovingly, gently set an intention to meditate. I'm going to meditate. And then you set a time and a place. I meditate most mornings very early in a favorite chair in my living room because the sun is coming up. I sit quietly, there is no equipment, there's nothing. I kind of open my eyes, close them, open them again, close them. And I select a theme, a word, a scripture, or a thought that makes my heart smile. Often the word for me is shalom because it means nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken. It is a beautiful rich word. Sometimes the word is peace. Sometimes it's a phrase. Today, uh, this morning, um, I preached recently. And so the sermon is in my spirit. And one of the things I gave a mantra, which is unusual. I've never done that before in the sermon. Mm. But it was, I matter to God. Mm. And I am special to God. And because I just preached that, that's just, it's in my heart. And I, I could cry doing it now. But I matter to God. I matter to God. And so I, it, for me, it doesn't matter what faith system you identify with or if you have none, you matter. And if you can't say to God, if you just need to say, I matter, whether your spouse is put out with you or your parents have, you know, disconnected or they love you and are trying to force you to inherit the farm. I, it, if you could separate all of that noise into a phrase that makes your heart smile and sit there and just close your eyes. I look at my clock and then I close my eyes. I don't set a timer. Um, I meditate until I'm ready to open my eyes. Everyone's life is different. So if you need to do that in the evening or you have to do it in a find a space because of children or family, it might be in your car in the parking lot before you go into your place of work five minutes, 10 minutes, and just going over that thought and going over that thought and just breathing very gently. I don't teach breathing with meditation because you can, you can do that, but just to begin with rehearsing a thought. And then when something crazy comes up at the water cooler over the coffee, you can <laughs> remind yourself, I matter. 
I matter to God. And it's calming and soothing and it just slows down your breathing and it has all other kinds of benefits, which, you know, we, we know about and we can share more fully. Thank you for sharing that. Um, as I mentioned before, I'm, I'm very fond of meditation. Um, I even had uh, ended one of the shows um, that I did on WPCAN with uh, a meditation, a simple breathing exercise. Um, and just even hearing you talk about it, <laughs> I was getting in that space, that meditative space, um, picturing myself in the room doing that. Um, and as I mentioned, there's just so many benefits to talk about. Um, you are listening to Seeking Wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Pierre, and I have my guest, Dr. Cheryl Barnes on, and she's just been imparting her knowledge and wisdom, you know, on spirituality and health today. I would love to transition, you know, you kind of alluded to this, you know, how we feel about ourselves. I'd like you to talk a little bit about, um, you know, just how spiritual uh, spirituality comes into play when we just think about the world, so to speak. Right. And there's so many distractions right now. Um, it's, it's just very overwhelming, which is why it's, it, it has been important to me to have shows on emotional and mental well-being. Can you just share a little bit? This, we previously discussed like just validation and how that you know, coincides with spirituality. Can you share a bit about your thoughts on how to kind of manage through the hustle and bustle of the world? Yeah, I, and because of the time, I will do that. But and I'd like to put it in the form of some practical things. That, yes, uh, please. Okay, that we can do because you know I wax long in the philosophical, and like yeah, yeah, yeah. So what can I do when? <laughs> What can I yeah, do and today? People need tools. They need tools. You <laughs> yes. Know? Yes. And so, in addition to starting your own meditation practice and not worrying about is it right, is it wrong, was it long enough, just start with finding uh, small little pockets of time. That's a practical thing that you can do. You for you. You for you. Another thing that you can do, because this comes up so often in my life coaching, is that you can begin or resume a gratitude journal. A notebook, it could be something beautiful and fancy. It could be a, a notebook from the dollar store, but before you go to bed or your ideal time, you write down three things that you're grateful for from that day. If you have the energy and you write why you're grateful, you're going to uh, experience greater value from it because you relive it as you start, as you start to describe I'm grateful that the person behind me paid for my coffee as I went through Dunkin' Donuts. But if I wrote more, I, I can't even believe that was so thoughtful. It prompted me to pay for the person, da-da-da-da-da. Well, not the person behind me. It would have been, you know, the person in front of me paid for my coffee. And then I, in turn, paid for So if you give it life, it has more benefit. Another thing that you can do is you can write yourself a letter of apology. Hmm. If you want to go deep, I will put a stamp on it and mail it to myself. Wow. <laughs> so I apologize for um, making fun of. I apologize for not valuing and celebrating when you finish community college. I know people who are so busy rushing on to the next thing. I said, did you celebrate? No, Dr. Barnes. Uh, 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 uh. 
you owe you an apology. And mm. then you need to celebrate. That's the number three. Celebrate. I don't care if nobody is as excited as you are. Celebrate things in your own life. Formally celebrate. Number four, write yourself a love letter. And if you want to go deep, mail it to yourself. I love your sense of humor. I love that you love babies. I love that you take gardening so seriously. I love that you're so patient with the elderly. I love that you don't take any crap from anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that you know Dr. Jennifer Pierre. <laughs> but, you know, kindness is slow down and, and draw your bath water. Take two minutes to light the candle. You're worth it. So there, it's really uh, a series of very small kindnesses that you can give to yourself that have a cumulative effect. Mm. I told you, you're putting me in the Zen mode. <laughs> I'm like, hmm. I'm like, when is the last time I lit the candles by the tub and, you know, celebrated myself and took a bath? Thank you for this reminder because it is important for us to be reminded to slow down um, because just the pace of this world you know, it's interesting when we entered into this pandemic, that slowing down was actually very therapeutic for me personally. And some people I know, but for other people, it was painful because yeah. they felt forced to slow down. And it was so different than what they normally did, especially if they really were good at that. Um, it was painful, but I've really been learning to kind of celebrate that and move away from, you know, all those thoughts and ideas of how we should be moving. And even now I just feel that kind of pace picking up. So it's good to have those reminders. And thank you so much for sharing um, those strategies uh, with people, because I, I think it's really important. People need to know what to do because we can easily say, oh, slow down, slow down. But what if you don't have the tools? What if you can't think of what to do? You know, what, what if you just don't have that knowledge about that because you've just been inundated with what you feel you should be doing? Um, this, you know, this, ladies and gentlemen, this is an example of Dr. Cheryl's coaching style and, and just these gifts that she shares with people. Um, I just have to segue into your book, 10 Gifts to Give to Yourself, um, The Journey Back to You. And you know, without revealing too much uh, about the book, I, I really just feel like you're so amazing at sharing resources and tools. Can you give us a little bit of info into this amazing book that you've written? You know, your second, um, you have two books out um, and, and just what they can uh, look forward to in reading the book and and also tell us a little bit about what you offer in terms of retreats. I just need to get this in before we wrap up because I really want to share, again, tools that people can, can use. Yes, I'll actually um, just mention the retreat because things are on hold due to COVID. Um, and so if you, you know, go to my website, which I'll give, there's information there. I had been holding... Um, retreats at the mansion at Noble Lane in the Poconos. It is just beyond fabulous. 
and people are asking me when is the next one. I mm-hmm. am this is this, this is too weird. I will not book it. We book the entire mansion and have it to ourselves. So, but if you connect with me and it looks like it's safe to convene an, another uh, three or four day retreat there, I can keep you apprised with that. Um, I wrote the book Ten Gifts to Give Yourself the Journey Back to You because I was encountering women and I was one of them who was consistently giving too much of yourself away. Hmm. It is well-meaning. And as a person brought up in the church, it was expected. It was encouraged. It was, mm -hmm, it was crazy. (laughs) You can give so much of yourself away that there's nothing there. Yes. It is dangerous. And it is sometimes culturally sanctioned. Hear me dangerous. And people are applauding you. Then you drop over dead and they were like, wow, (laughs) she could have at least finished making the coffee. And so uh, it uses the metaphor of gifts to give yourself to make the journey back to you. When you return to you, I believe it is a place and a space where you can hear from God, where you can live more authentically. And you should not be giving everyone a yes. If you're not saying yes to God and then in turn, there's a point at which you say yes to you you are you are gifted to do certain things and if you give all of yourself to everyone you miss the mark on why you were created Mm. so the gifts are self-acceptance self-forgiveness uh healing self-discovery self-affirmation there are 10 of them uh conscious choosing so the idea is you take take that gift open it up Go inside and present it to yourself and enjoy that gift. And in so doing, you move back to a place of balance with boundaries. And on that note, Dr. Cheryl, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your tools, your resources, again, your knowledge and just expertise in the area of spirituality Um, Please share with the audience how they can stay in touch with you, your contact information, give us your website, social media, everything. (laughs) Let's let's leave the people with a way that they can continue to stay in in touch with you. Thank you so much for letting me share that. My website is www, and it's a hyphenated name. My company is Sterling, S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G, Sterling hyphen Xavier. X-A-B-I-E-R.com. So www.sterling-xavier.com. I'm on Instagram at Dr. S. Barnes. So it's D-R. S. Barnes. Uh, Same thing, Twitter at Dr. S. Barnes. And uh, LinkedIn, I'm at Dr. Cheryl Barnes at Dr. Cheryl Barnes. So if you go to the website, you know, the social media links will be there as well. Sterling-Xavier.com. Thank you, Dr. Cheryl. You know, you're one of my favorite people. I'm so happy I was able to have you on the show. Um, Thank you just for your time and and just who you are and and what you share and celebrate um, in the world. And you can't see me and I'm bowing to you. Thank you, (laughs) Jennifer. Respect. I love you and I love your energy. Thank you so much. (laughs) 
so much for tuning in to the Seeking Wellness Show today. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Pierre. You can reach out to me at my website, drjpierre.com, on Instagram at drjpierre, or on Facebook at Dr. Jennifer Pierre. Please be sure to check out the website, wpcan.org, for past shows. And meet us right back here, same time, same place, on the fourth Saturday of the month for another informative topic. Enjoy your weekend, and most of all, please stay healthy.